You have just entered The Royal Access, the show for growth-minded game changers seeking God's direction in their relationships and careers. I'm your host, Coral Pinder, and I'm super excited about growing along with you. Now let's dive in to this episode. Welcome everybody to another episode of The Royal Access. It's your girl, Coral, and I am kicking it with you, and I hope you are doing great this week. We are into a new series, and the series is called Jesus and Therapy. Jesus and Therapy, because we believe here at The Royal Access that those two go hand in hand, that it doesn't have to be either or, that you're not crazy if you go and see a therapist or if you have a therapist. And so we will be dealing with that topic all month. I also wanted to share with you guys before I deep dived into my episode of this topic on Jesus and therapy that we are doing prayer live in the month of September. Super excited. It's a lot of a commitment, but prayer live this year, we started in 2020, the same year we started this podcast because again, the world was on lockdown when we started these things. And so there was a lot of people looking for content. And so God put the fire in a lot of people to start things. And some of us have continued to keep those going. And so prayer live is one of the things that I started in 2020. And in 2021, to be quite honest, it was cool, but it was the exact same thing that I did in 2020. So the vigor of it being something new and fresh wasn't there like 2020. Also, I think what was different in 2020 was the fact that the format and everything was exactly the same in 2021. And so there was nothing like fresh and unique about it. And so this year I was praying to God about, you know, I want to do prayer live again, but uh, can the Holy Spirit, you know, just break down to me a way that we could do prayer live that is still that familiar of coming together every morning in September and giving people that opportunity, but it's fresh, it's live, and it has a, a bigger impact. And so God gave me the revelation to have a guest on every morning. So all of our guests from the Royal Access at some point during the month, they will be on prayer live. So Felicia, shout out, woo woo, Joy, shout out, and Travis, they will all have a morning on the prayer live. So if you are here because you're watching prayer live and I talked about the Royal Access, welcome. Glad to have you on board. You want to listen to all the old episodes, but if you listen to the podcast, but you didn't know that we were on Corel Pinder 1908 on IG and that you could join into the amazing things that we have going on every morning. Um, check it out. If you've missed the first few days, that is fine because we have replays on there. So you could definitely check out the replays. So you definitely want to go and check that out. So without further ado, let's get into this episode. And in this episode, I'm doing a solo episode. And the title of my episode is Breakthrough Moments. Breakthrough Moments. So in this episode, I want to talk to you about why I decided to go to therapy. Um, and I want to talk about some breakthrough moments I had in therapy to help you to kind of have context and examples of the revelations and insight that I gained from going to therapy. So I go to therapy. I'll, I'll, I'll say I started therapy. I think I can't remember if it was like 2020. I think it was 2020. Clearly a lot of things happened in the pandemic when the pandemic put us, you know, halt on our life. And I, I want to believe it was 2020. I think I was always open to doing it. I just didn't know like, how would I find a therapist and just like, could I afford it? And so I think I started with the easy version of BetterHelp and it was like $60 a month. And I used to listen to this podcast and gave you like a discount or something. And my therapist, she was cool. Actually, one of the breakthrough points that I'm going to give you came from my very first therapist on BetterHelp. And I liked her. Um, she was also a believer. That was something you could have requested. 
but the sessions were like 30 minute sessions. And if you didn't book the session in advance, then you could miss a week. So I was just like, I'm not getting all my weeks. And then I think was also irritating is sometimes she was extremely late to the sessions. And so that was kind of irritating. And so I think after one time, like she completely never showed up. Like there was one time when she was late, but then there was one time where she completely never showed up. So I canceled her as a therapist. And it was so crazy. I think it was like a year later. I found her on Google. I don't even know how I randomly found her on Google like a year later. And I found her email address and I emailed her apologizing. Cause I think I just like cut her off cold turkey. Like I was just like, no, this is how are you supposed to be helping me through my trauma? And you are creating trauma by not showing up like nah, or you're triggering my trauma by not showing up. So I kind of ended that, but I just knew it was still important to do. And I think what kind of started it is that I, by 2020, I was like, when it came to relationships, I was like, why isn't this working out? Like what's going on? You know? And so I decided to ask a lot of male friends in my life, um, married male friends and single, but majority were believers. I think maybe 5% of the guys that I asked weren't believers, but all were believers. And most were married men because I wanted to kind of that advice from someone who actually believed in commitment and already taken commitment and living their life seriously about commitment. So one of the married men friends that I contacted said that one of the things that really helped him in his single journey was going to individual therapy. And he was just like, whether you were trying to put yourself in a marriage mindset or not, I think individual therapy is just so great just for how you interact in all of your relationships and your work relationships and life. And so he said, you know, you, one of the reasons you were asking about, you know, what do you think as a man that you could do differently? Or what do you think of how I could, how I could be looking at things differently when it came to preparing with a marriage mindset? He said, you know, you invest in where you want to see it grow. And he said, I've seen you heavily invest in your career. So you've heavily invested in your career, yet you make statements like my career seems to be progressing, but my relationship life does not. And he said, so if you want to see your relationship life progress, then you need to invest in your relationship life like you invest in your career. At the time when I was having this conversation with him, I had a business coach that I paid $200 every time I saw her. And so he was like, if I was you, I would stop seeing a business coach um, and start seeing a therapist, um, which was half the price for me to go to the therapist. I, I paid one ten for the therapist that I paid for. And he was suggesting the therapist that I was already thinking about the one that he went to, which is Harrison. Harrison is my therapist. Um, and hopefully I think he's going to be on the show because one of our other guests, he has been their therapist as well. So we're hoping during this month that Harrison has the opportunity to come on to the show. And so again, you know, I have a lot of uh, mentors and people in my life who are close to me who are women who are married and godly. So I don't on a regular basis have in-depth conversations with married men, even though I have them somewhere in my circle. That's how I was able to reach out for this interaction. I think that was important for me going through the therapy journey of getting that insight from someone of the opposite sex of how I may be viewed or how my mindset may be viewed and how I can look at it a different way. So that is why I started because I kind of wanted to grow in the area of relationships um, and understand things that I may have been doing that I could have been looking at differently, how I could have been approaching things differently and just looking at life differently. And that was the, the catalyst of me starting. Um, and so that was, I think 2020, I started doing therapy, but like I said, I think I was on better health and I think I transitioned in 2021 to seeing Harrison. But basically it was like, I wanted to do better at relationships. And so I wanted to invest. It became bigger than just, I want, like, it wasn't because, oh, I want marriage. So a therapist is going to lead me to marriage. It was like, 
there are things in my life relationship relationship wise that I did not feel like I was serving well in general. Um, after like I went in for relationships, but after that, I was like, in general, I just want to be a better person. Um, in any relationship, I was listening to this podcast by Jay Shetty and he was saying like, you know, when you're really zoned in on, Oh, I want a relationship romantic rise. I want a romantic relationship. I want a romantic relationship. You kind of discount, or I want to be a mother. I want to be a mother. I want to be a mother. Like if there's one particular relationship, like you're dying for, you could kind of cut out all of the other relationships that are possible in your life because you're so zoned in on this particular thing, whether it's, I want to be a wife, be a wife, or I want to be a mother, mother, or if you're a male listening, I want to be a husband, husband, or I want to be a father, father. And so he said, I wanted you to write, do a circle, a pie chart, um, and write the names of the different roles you have. And for you, I want you to try it. So I, I did a circle and I wrote, I'm a daughter. I'm a sister. I am a godmother. I am a niece. So that is four so far. I'm a mentor. I'm a mentee. That's six. I'm a friend. That's seven. That's seven different roles, seven different relationships, seven different ways to have community and interact. But all I'm obsessively focusing on is just the fact that I don't have uh, the title of wife or mother. Uh, But there's seven other key relationships that can be fueling you that you can be, you know, showing God's love through. And so that was just so powerful to me. And I just realized that therapy in general was going to help me to be better in all of those aspects of those relationships. I want to share those breakthrough moments with you. And I so love therapy. I decided to put it in my recent play that I did. If you are listening and you're from Nassau, I don't know if we get to bring Rich Auntie to Nassau. I was hired to produce, um, to write and produce and direct Rich Auntie. And I hired a director to come on for our team. And we put that all together and it was amazing. Um, But we aren't the executive producers, which means we aren't the investors behind it. So the investors in it would have to see that, you know, taking to Nassau would be a risk we want to take on. And then going through all of the steps in order to do that. And so, so far it's September, they haven't expressed an interest in wanting to move in that direction. So I'm not sure, but there is a scene in Rich Auntie that I love, love, love. And there are so many people who came to me, some people like, they were like, I love this scene and I don't even know why. And so there's a scene where the main character is doing teletherapy. So we witness a conversation between her therapist and her. And if you notice a lot of modern shows, they kind of have one of the main characters in therapy. Um, And I love that because I think it makes it, It normalizes therapy on a way that wasn't normalized before. So in Rich Auntie, the main character has teletherapy. And that's what I do with Harrison. I do teletherapy because I don't live in Nassau. And so she's doing teletherapy. And so I could easily write that scene because I do teletherapy. And so there was this girl in the cast. She was like, I was one day we were all hanging out and I was like, what was your favorite scene from the play? And she was like, my favorite scene is is the therapy scene. And she was like, I just don't even know why it was just like, it was so insightful. It was just so, you know, it was just like breakthrough. It just like did something to me the first time I watched it. I had like goosebumps. It just like really did something to me. And I was just like, yeah, like, you know, that's the point. And then there was a other guy who was on our crew and he was just like, I think the scene is cool, but I don't know if I love it like she does. And I was like, why? And he was like, so there's a character in the play that says, so the main character says, in therapy, I really realized X, Y, Z. I'm trying to hold some of the lines in case we do get to bring it to Nassau and, or you may be from Freeport and you never heard it or you're from abroad and you never got to see it. So the main character says, you know, I thought that, no, I, I, I realized 
that I do X, Y, and Z. So all through the play, everybody's telling her, I'll just say, so everybody's telling the main character through the play, you put money in front of everybody else. You choose money over everything, over your relationships, over everything. And there's money is the most important thing in your life. And so the main character said, I realized that money's the main important, most important thing in my life. She was like, I went, I went back to therapy. I saw my therapist because she'd been therapist for a long, therapy for a long time and she stopped going. And she said, I, I actually decided to go back to therapy and I realized that I have made money a higher priority than anything else in my life. And so her younger sister is kind of like ghetto and kind of like just say, you know, very curt, say what you mean, very straight to the point was like, you paid that lady $200 to tell you that. And I've been telling you that you might as well give me the $200. So the guy in the cast was like, the little sister line is the line for me. Like everybody says this through the whole play. Like how come she doesn't know? And I'm like, oh my God, he doesn't get it. So in in the show, in the in the scene where the main character finally realizes, oh, the thing that everybody's been telling me is true, is because the therapist is able to get her to reveal the why beneath the why. The reason of why she puts money. So the first reason when you say, why do you put money in front of everybody else? The answer is because I can depend on money and people let you down. All right. Why do you believe people let you down? That's the why beneath the why. But all everyone says is you put money in front of it. And she says, you know, whatever. I'm saying whatever because I know that I can depend on my money. I've learned to depend on my money. I know the know-hows of depending on my money. And so your response to me, just consistently saying you put money, is null and void because I know why I put money in front and I am protecting myself from that pain. But when you're in therapy, you go with the why beneath the why. And so she, at first, she doesn't even want to tell the story to the therapist because she said, I've talked about this a million times before, and I don't want to tell you the story. And so she says, you know, healing is a continuous process, which is something that also we have to learn in therapy. Healing is a continuous process. So she's like, healing is a continuous process. And sometimes something else triggers a deeper part of a wound that we never realized before. So she helps her to realize how deep the wound is. She tells the story again, and there's a new revelation about the same story that she's told before that reveals a deeper wound that reveals why she, and that's when she gets, wow, I make money a priority because she's dealt with the why behind the why she's dealt with the story that she incurred that she went through during childhood that made her view money in this way. And now she's taking out that pain on everyone else because she's reliving the problem that happened as a child with everyone else. And those are not the same people. So you have to, when the pain hits and you're triggered, you have to be reminded that I'm being triggered and this person is not the same person. So now I have to retrain my thoughts. And that's kind of what therapy does to you. It helps you. A therapist is like a translator of your emotions and they help you to get to the why beneath the why you have your surface level why, but they help you to get to the why beneath the why, because when something happens in life and it makes you upset, it's easier to say that this person is a bad person. If they didn't do that, if they didn't say that, if they didn't, if they didn't say that, if they didn't do that, if they didn't respond in that way, then I wouldn't be upset. And while there is truth in that statement, there's often, often another truth that's that's deeper or sometimes maybe someone didn't do anything to you but as a believer i know that i have blamed god like god didn't allow it to happen god allowed it to happen um god didn't allow it to go the way that i wanted it to go and that's where you have to have an understanding of who god is because god is not some genie that just answers everything of all of your needs and so when you have an understanding of god then 
and you have an understanding of who I am and why, where my thoughts come from and why I have that pain and trigger, then you can dig deep and say, why did that, that, that thing that that person said, why did that upset me? You can pause and say, why did that upset me? Or when God doesn't come through and you're upset, you can pause and say, why did that experience evoke an emotion in me? And therapy helps you to answer those questions. So whenever you get, see, because we don't allow ourselves to translate our emotions, we just like to blame. We blame God or we blame other people. Everything's wrong with everyone else, but we're feeling the pain. But when I put the onus on someone else, when I experience pain and I don't deal with it in what's setting off in me, then the problem consistently repeats itself just in another scenario and with another person. And no relationship is saved. And so here are some breakthrough moments that I had in therapy. So the first one was with my first therapist that I used to for better health. And she said this statement, this is the first one you can write down. She said, anxiety is living in the future and depression is living in the past. When I tell you I could take that to the bank, I was like, oh, it was like, a, it was when she said, anxiety is living in the future and depression is living in the past. I said, friends, friends. So let me break it down. For me, I'm someone like, you know, I always, you guys know my story. I always wanted to be married, always want certain things in my life. Um, but also even outside of marriage, just like, you know, you have goals and aspirations of whether it's like, oh, I want to move to LA or whether it's like, um, just anything, anything that, that you want that happens, that's going to be a good experience, whether it's a travel experience, whether it's, you know, spending time with friends, whether it's whatever, a, a opportunity or raise money, whatever, or anything that's good. I tend to spend so much time daydreaming about what that experience is like and not being present in the moment. And what happens when you spend so much time making these mirages and daydreaming about what that future aspect of thing will look like, you have anxiety because you want to hurry up, get to the place that's so good, that's free of pain, that doesn't, but you never get there. You never get there because when you do experience one of the things you've been waiting for, it's always Either the joy is in a moment and then it's on to the next because we're created for more and craving, and that craving is for God, not for an external thing. And so I remember getting external things when I was preparing for Miss Grand Bahama, it was a seven month process and I was just losing weight, training, da, da, da. The night of I get the crown, I was like, ah! it was like, I had a prayer, I had a goal, I worked for it and I won. And like, I was on a high and I would say that high lasted. Hmm. That high lasted probably, uh, there were moments of highs again, like, oh my God, I can't believe I got it. But I would say like the true, true high of like nothing else matters. This dream actually came through probably was a few days because by February 14th of that year, I was telling a friend, do you know someone who could set me up with? Like, I'm not in a relationship, da, 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 by February 14th. And I won February 3rd. I won February 3rd. And by February 14th, I was complaining about being single and having my friends set me up with someone. And by the week, I was dating someone um, who they had set me up by February 14th. 
So that means that there's always going to be more that you're longing for. As soon as you get the relationship, you're like, oh, when are we going to get engaged? As soon as you get engaged, oh, when are we going to get married? As soon as you get married, oh, when are we going to have uh, our own house? As soon as you get our own house, oh, when are we going to have children? So the cycle continues. But God is saying, like, be present in this moment. And so that's where Jesus and therapy comes together because a voice says, the, the verse of Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. So take those requests to God. Take those requests to God, ask him for peace, to trust him with the results and help to be present in that moment. Like my request is to be present in the moment. My press, my request is to enjoy the moment that's here, whether it's a preparation moment, a waiting moment, because no matter what the moment is, there's something I'm supposed to get out of that moment, but I'm missing that something when I'm anxious. I'm missing. I'm missing the beauty in that moment when I'm anxious. And so if I keep, if you feel someone like I'm always daydreaming, I'm always hoping, I'm always spending my time thinking about, then that's probably what's curating anxiety. And when you have anxiety, you put that on other people. You're looking at other people like, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? Because you, for me, I want to control because in my mind, when I have the mirage, the mirage turns out exactly the way that I want it because I'm controlling everything because it's in my mind. But what it does is it sets a controlling behavior with the people in your life. So you try to control the people in your life so it matches up with that magical picture in your head. But that's not the way that it's supposed to go. The will of God is the way that it's supposed to go. So that mirage in your head is setting you up for failure. And that's why the word tells us be anxious for nothing. But by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. Because when you speak to God, then he tells you what the path is and you and the friend circle can get on one page. You and the work partnership can get on one page. You and your parents can get on one accord. You and your child can get on one accord. But when you have your vision, your anxious thoughts, your mirage of what the future looks like, when that person doesn't respond, then it takes joy away from something that could be an answered prayer and you exert control. And when you go in therapy, y'all, you know, is I'm upset. They're not doing it the way that I wanted that I want it to be done. Could it be that you have expectations on this based on how you want it to go and you haven't really even considered their thoughts about it? And when a neutral party who has nothing to gain says that your alarms are down because your partner may say that or your friend group may say that or your parent may say that, but you feel like they have some agenda of where no. You want to be right and say that I'm wrong. And so I don't listen. But when a third party who has no motive and no attachment says to you, what's happening right now is you're being anxious about a situation because you want it to go your way or because you're not being present to enjoy every moment of your life. That's when you stop and evaluate it. And so that was a breakthrough moment for me. Second one is attachment styles. I can't go into the long of what attachment styles are, but basically they're the way that you're raised. Um, that kind of dynamic you had with your parents, or if you had a, a, a there's a secure, and then there's three insecures. There's an anxious, there's avoidant, and there's disorganized. So a secure person, their parent gave them the enough enough attention and enough independence. Anxious, their parent was probably inconsistent. They gave them the attention, but there was uh, there was either one parent that gave attention and the other parent that didn't, or they were inconsistent in the amount of attention they gave, and sometimes they didn't give attention. Avoidant, your the parent probably never gave attention. And then disorganized, I think sometimes they grew up in a dynamic where um, it was either traumatic, like abuse, or it's even, you know, more like can't predict what the parent is going to do. So 
the the secure child who parent was always there. They have affirmed their their need to be seen, validated, and love. And so therefore their need to be seen, validated, and love is internalized. Like they know they're safe already because they grew up during that special moment of knowing that I'm secure. But if you've developed an insecure attachment, that subconsciously in your mind has told you like every relationship like this will continue like this unless you try to do something about it. So I have signs of an anxious attachment. I I have signs of healthy attachment, but I also have signs of an anxious attachment style. And so the anxious attachment adult needs consistent affirmation um, and they tend to be needy. But if you are aware that I'm someone who needs consistent affirmation, I may be needy, then you are able to control the way you respond. You are able to, or you're able to calm down a lot quicker. So I had an example of, I was extremely exhausted. I put a lot of, you know, pressure on myself because I work for myself and I feel like I'm not good enough sometimes because as an entrepreneur, your bank account doesn't always look like it's reflecting a successful journey. And so I had done all of that. And I told you guys in the episode about rest that I overworked myself, that I wasn't resting. And so I went to my sister to rest and the first few days they were doing touristy stuff. And so one of the days that they were going for a drive to take my aunt somewhere, I was like, I'm not going, I'm just going to rest all day. So I spent most of the day trying to rest, but I think that same day I recorded a podcast, but I think I was trying to organize. I spent a lot of that day organizing myself to rest on the rest of vacation because the house was empty. No one was there. And so I didn't really even get to rest like that. I just kind of started to organize everything and move things, must do's out of the way so that I could. So I think I, I, I recorded a podcast. I cooked, I unpacked, I kind of organized what my weeks would look like because there were still some things I needed to do. Even the majority of time would have been allocated to rest. And I think the only thing that I didn't do, I think after all of cooking, prepping food, da, 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 podcast, the only thing that I didn't do was, um, I didn't, I think do the dishes. And so by the time I realized, like I spent the whole day while everybody was away, organizing my life. I said, okay, at least take two hours before people come to just relax on the couch and watch TV. So my mom comes back and she's like, oh my God, what in the world did you do all day? Now, again, this is what's going on in my mind. I never rest because I'm always trying to not look like a failure. I, you know, where attachment styles need continued affirmation, continued, you know, um, uh, they need that reassurance that you're doing well, you're doing good. And I'm putting a lot of pressure on myself because I don't feel like I'm making the money. I don't feel like I deserve rest right now. And today everybody went away and I organized my life so I could rest. I I got in an accident, almost killed myself um, because I wasn't resting. So I kind of made the decision like you should at least rest for two hours before people come back. And so the one thing that I didn't do out of all the things I was trying to accomplish that day was do the dishes. So she comes in and in her mind, she doesn't know any of these pre-thoughts. It's another thing when you interact with people, they don't have all of the thoughts that are going on in your head and the underneath trauma below that as well. So all the trauma that you haven't really walked through and worked through um, the way you need to, because healing is a continuous process. So you might've dealt with um, anxious attachment when it came to romantic relationships, but have you dealt with it in every relationship of your life? Um, and how it will show up in other relationships. Because how it shows up in a parent-child dynamic, especially an adult parent-child dynamic, is very different than it will show up in a romantic relationship. Yet the core is still at that anxious attachment style of someone who needs consistent affirmation. So 
when my mom came and she said, oh my God, like what in the world did you do all day? You didn't even wash these dishes. When I said I lost it and I can't believe I lost it because I don't, I don't think I've ever lost it in that way before. Your girl was a beast. I was like, what are you saying to me? Oh my God. And I think all of the, the hurt in myself too, that I was not resting <laughs> in general, that I got, got in an accident, had to go in an ambulance and all of that. So I like completely freak out. I was like, oh my God. Da-da-da-da. And I like storm upstairs and she's, everybody downstairs is like, what was, what was that big blow up? Like, what was that? So my aunt came upstairs and she was just like, your mom feels really upset because you blew up on her. She doesn't know what that was all about. And da 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 da. And by that time I'd already calmed down. And, you know, because you're, when you were in your therapy, you immediately know that, wait, something was wrong. I can't put the blame on someone else. I have to evaluate me and what in me was triggered to cause me to react that way. Um, yes. Can you say it's not fair that she said I was you know, lazy when in fact I wasn't lazy? Um, and that's not even what she meant. Yeah, you can say that. But if you dwell on that and you can't change the other person, then how do we grow from the moment? How do we move on from the moment? So by the time my aunt came in, I'd already sat down with my thoughts, analyzed my thoughts, processed my thoughts, and was able to articulate that I am somebody who feels very insecure about working for themselves. And I feel like I can never take a break. And so when I finally decide to take a break, because I basically almost killed myself when I wasn't taking a break, I was called lazy. Something that is triggering for me because I'm someone who needs affirmation. And so being heard that told that I'm lazy when I've been killing myself to receive the praise that you are doing great, you are doing great for yourself. You know, you're taking on the journey of, you know, working your own job. And sometimes they go up and down and you support yourself because I'm someone who needs that because of my attachment style. I kind of freaked out. Um, but what I had to realize is that, you know, taking a moment of, you don't need, you know, that you were doing well. And so either she didn't mean the word lazy, or even if she did, you're affirm enough to say, you should be affirmed enough to say, oh my God, don't blow up. Don't, don't, but take that and say, all right, that kind of hurts because the word lazy indicates that I'm not doing a good job. And I feel like I am doing a good job. And I don't want to put that pressure on myself again, where I end up in a situation where I'm overworking myself to the point where I could get in an accident. So, but processing that and having all that at the forefront of your mind, it helps you to be ready. But I was able to process that thought. My mom came up later and we were able to have that conversation because I'm human. I blew up, but because I went to therapy and knew how to process my thoughts to have a very civilized conversation about an hour later after the blow up, move on and never talk or think about never, never dwell on it again, except when referring to it as an example of going through that moment. So you're human. So you may blow up, but if you go through therapy, you'll know how to process that blow up. And the way that the Bible says, it says the, the, the verse that I want to talk about, it says second Corinthians 10, three through five, we are human. It literally says that second Corinthians 10, three to five, we are human, but we do not wage war as humans do. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. So my rebellious thoughts tells me you're not good enough. That's why you need to push yourself in that way. And then it will drive up that anxiety of pushing myself in that way because I've not been affirmed. So I have to prove to the world that I can do better. And then I don't rest. And then I don't get the insight. I don't get the revelation or I don't be able to complete the purpose that God has for me because the enemy was able to run me up on breaks on anxiety. So you have to be able to process those thoughts, capture those rebellious thoughts. And so the last one, the last breakthrough was 
healthy and secure people know that there is pain. They know that pain happens. Even if someone causes pain on you, they, they, they come to expect pain. The Bible says in this life, we will encounter trouble. So they know pain will come. So they acknowledge it and they allow themselves to feel the pain, but they don't internalize the pain. They don't make the pain about them. You know, sometimes when you're in business, you know, it's, it's not personal, it's business. Sometimes it's a personal situation. So it's like, I can't say it's not personal because this is a personal situation. It's a friendship. It's personal. What do you mean? It's not a personal situation. It's personal. It's a friendship. Um, but it's not. So another way you can look at it is, you know, in a business situation, I don't get feelings in business situations. So I always say it's business. It's not personal. So there's nothing business-wise that ever feathers me. Cause I'm like, it's not personal. It's business. It's money. You don't, people don't play about their money. So it's just business. So I don't really get that, um, irritated when it comes to business because it's just business, but personal relationships cut deep cut deep, as you can see with the blow up in my mom, personal relationships cut deep. So I had a friendship situation at the beginning of this year. And one of my friends told me, I don't feel like you make friendships a priority. It was early in the year. And she was like, she was right. She was right. So my mom, so I said, oh, my friend told me that she doesn't feel, I, I was going on a birthday trip and I was like, I have to go because um, my friend told me I don't make friends a, a priority, which is true. And it's true. Friendship was not high on my list. So my mom said, dig deep, evaluate why friendship hasn't been a priority for you. And so I dig deep to have that hard conversation of why. And it was back to an experience I had as a child where I felt portrayed in a friendship. And I never, after that, I think I kind of, I have friends, friends. And as long as I'm in a comfortable spot, as long as it doesn't call for self-sacrifice, then we can be friends. But eventually, if you're not ever sacrificing, I will notice it as a friend. If you're not ever sacrificing, I will notice it. And so what I had to realize was a lot of the actions that I was doing in the friendship was motivated by trauma and pain. And to avoid pain, I only allowed a certain level of vulnerability. I only allowed a certain level of sacrifice so that I would not feel the pain. And so healthy people don't internalize pain. So when that thing happened to me, I didn't have to internalize like, oh, I'm not worthy or no, nobody is worthy to be with me or to be in that. I just realized that that situation had that. And I may get into a friendship again where I incur friend pain, but I can't internalize it. I can't internalize it because it stops me from being able to be vulnerable and accessible to other people that God has called me to interact with and move with. Psalms 139, 13, the 14 says, you are made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. Like, I don't, if you know that you're amazing, you don't internalize when pain happens in situations and says, okay, maybe I'm not a great person. So let me build this wall so that I don't ever have to, you know, incur that pain anymore. Um, by getting too close to somebody. No, I, you, I made you wonderful. I made them wonderful. And so you will experience pain. That's a part of the wonderfully crafted person you are, but all of it is to make you better. And so I hope that this was a blessing for you. Like I said, I had breakthrough moments about how anxiety is living in the future and depression is living in the past. So being present is so important for us. I've had moments where I realized to study my attachment style and, and be able to break down how to move through that. And then learning what healthy and secure people do and what that 
looks like of not taking things personal, not internalizing and realizing that, you know, if I want to be everything that God has called me to be, then I need to realize that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made and I need to work through the pain because that's what helps me to grow. That's what helps me to be the best version of myself. And so I want to encourage you to really tune in this month. If you've ever thought about therapy and you were like, I want to know some more, I want some recommendations of some counselors or therapists, you know, hit us up in the inbox, you know, follow us on Facebook, join the Facebook group, the Royal Access. And I hope that you join us for Prayer Live this month. I hope you enjoyed this episode. See you guys next week. Thank you for listening to the Royal Access Podcast. Be sure to learn more about how to connect with us in the show notes below. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with a friend. We would also love for you to consider leaving a rating or a review. Until next time, I'm Corel Pinder, your truth-telling accountability partner.